And here we go, live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Pattison, Dawson Wise, and Jace Brown joining you in hour number two of a Tuesday night edition, um, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join us. Um, great uh, great hour ahead of us, I should say, um, as we'll get to the phones in just a second. Great hour ahead of us. Um, we'll talk about the 2023-24 NFL season. We'll give our recap. Who was the biggest surprise? Who was the biggest letdown? We'll break it all down. We'll also highlight how three Vols have been invited to the NFL Combine. And the Lady Vols getting a big win over the Hogs last night. We'll break it all down in this hour of overtime, so stay right here. But first... Let's hit the phones. We got Joshy Boy on the line. What's up, Josh? Hey. What up, fellas? How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Is it you, Dawson, Chase, tonight? Uh, yes, yeah. it is. Yes. Good. Okay, uh, William, I'm uh, I'm really sorry that uh, you didn't play the Chiefs. I wish you would have because <laughs> uh, we could have made some money together. I know, Joshy. Look, I was just talking about it at the break. Um because I was I was telling them how you won big this weekend on the Chiefs. I was congratulating yeah. you on it, um, and you know I, I when I looked at it on Sunday, you know we talked all week uh-huh. about how the Chiefs had the advantages on the football field, and I, I wanted to place Chiefs, but when I looked at it, they didn't move at all um, line wise, and I, yeah. I just I didn't think that in the biggest game of the year they were going to allow the Chiefs to win with plus money, um, so I took the 49ers. I, I thought it was the, the sharper side. Um, but I, I was wrong, and, and congrats on your big win. Thanks. You really, uh, you really know what changed in that game that uh, the momentum swung the Chiefs' way. Oh yes, uh, it was Kyle Shanahan getting, um, it, getting the ball in the second half after the stop, um, after the yeah. interception. They go a three and out with three straight passes. Yep. And then they get a punt. They get the ball back. They go yep. three and out with three straight passes, and then. Um, you muff the punt, and then you open the game up. Um, So I thought that right there was really big, and I I talked about it yesterday on here um, and on my podcast last night. Just It's Kyle Shanahan's problem with situational football in the Super Bowls. Uh, He did it in the Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl back in 2017. He did it again against the Chiefs in in 2020. Um, He struggles with situational football, and even in the fourth quarter of that game, They've got the ball right before the two-minute warning. They run two straight pass plays on on second and four, and then yeah. I'll, I'll one up you even one more in overtime. Christian McCaffrey yeah. gets that long thirty-yard gain, gets them to like the twenty-yard line, twenty-five-yard line. They're now having the opportunity to put their foot on the Chiefs' neck, um, and yep. they put Elijah Mitchell out there for two plays. That right there. Um, almost kind of. I mean, it's Elijah Mitchell. No straight to him, but he's not the same player Christian McCaffrey is. No. If I'm well, Kyle Shanahan, I'm calling a timeout, letting McCaffrey get rest, letting him get some caterade in him, and get his ass back on the field. I he's was, he's I a. Was, I was reading some of the comments after the game, and some of the 49ers fans are wanting to fire Shanahan. I wouldn't fire him. Uh, You can't fire him. He's too good of an offensive mind, and there's a reason why that team is there, and it's a lot due in part to him. But in that Lions-49ers game, 
Joshy, what lost the game for the Lions? They, they failed situationally. Going for it on fourth down. Exactly. Twice. Yeah. It was you know situational football. And one of the keys to the game I gave on Friday was if the 49ers want to win, they've got to win the situational football matchup. And this was their biggest issue in the game. I mean, yeah. It allowed the Chiefs to get back into it. And then even when they had the opportunities down the stretch, mm-hmm. right before overtime and in overtime, Let's also uh-huh. talk about the fact that the team didn't even know the overtime rule. That's the worst yeah. part of it to me. Um, uh, how do you yeah. how do you do that? I so, mean, it's it's been in effect for like two years now. These overtime rules for the playoffs. Like, how do you not at I least think read the, up on? That? I think they changed them again for this year, right? I think well, they adjusted it, they, them a little they, bit. They changed it after the Chiefs and Bills game. Oh, has back it been in, has it been that long? Yeah. Wow, and to they give, still didn't know to no. give both teams a, a shot at the ball. Yeah, but Josh, I don't know if you heard after the game, but they asked Chris Jones and Mahomes and Kelsey. You know. Did you know what you were going to do in overtime? And they go, yeah, if the 49ers scored the opening touchdown, we were going to go down and score and go for two and try to win the game. When wow. the 49ers were asked about it, check was like, uh, oh, I didn't even know they uh, changed the rules. They thought they were going to win if they scored a touchdown. Could you imagine? If they if were going to celebrate like they I, won the Super Bowl. Could you yeah. imagine if they scored a touchdown and they all oh, ran on the field man. like they won? And then Mahomes goes out there and beats them on the two-point conversion anyways. Oh. Yeah. Can you imagine that, man? Oh. But anyway, well, uh, congratulations on the win, Josh. Thanks. I was trying to look like all week on any sports book that offered a non-quarterback to throw a touchdown pass because I really thought the 49ers were going to draw up Jennings to throw a pass, but I never could find that on any sports book. I think the number or I think it was on DraftKings they offered um the amount of the amount of players to throw a pass, and it was over two and a half. Two um, and a half. Yeah. So it was like so. Basically, you're saying that there's going to be a, like you know a gimmick, some play. kind of trick play. Um. And, right. Yeah. So I think I think that was the wording to it. I think it was amount of players to throw a pass, and it was over. I, two I and did half. see a, a couple people talking like there were places they found Jennings touchdown pass like plus thirty six thousand wow. or something. Yeah, I don't ridiculous. know where they found that. I don't um, either, but I saw yeah. people just discussing. So. Uh, what do you guys think about the game tomorrow, Tennessee going up to Arkansas? Do you think it's going to be like Saturday where they're not ready to play, or do you think they're going to be ready to play and get a big-time win tomorrow? Well, Joshua, you hope they, they wake up after whatever they called Saturday. <laughs> I mean, that was embarrassing. Yeah. Um, now, Arkansas um, has, you know, got a win this weekend. That's been a rarity for them this year. They, they beat Georgia yeah. at home. Um, and then, Bud Walton's a tough environment to play in. However, um, Tennessee is the far superior team, um, and, and Arkansas has never really been able to gel all those transfer portal guys together. Um, I, this is a – I mean, you cannot drop two in a row and let alone lose one to an Arkansas team that's had all sorts of problems this season, right. off and on the court. I expect Tennessee to be ready to go. And do you guys know that – the last time Tennessee has won at Bud Walton was uh, 2009. I did not know that. Doesn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah, but yeah, it doesn't Bobby surprise Mays. me. Yeah, Bobby Mays. Interesting. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I was shocked when I heard that stat too because I thought we uh, won lately than 2009 up there. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the last matchup over there. Uh... I'm trying to think of who they had. I know Jalen Williams. Well, they they played here, 2021. Um, they played or no, excuse me, 20. I guess it would have been 2022 or early 2022 is when they played here. Yeah. When they had Jalen Williams, um, and 
Uh, who else was on that team? Was I guess I guess Jalen Williams is the most memorable off that team. But I, yeah. I can't remember if we yeah. played on the road as well that year. Um, I'm, I, think I can't did. remember. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember either. Um, but I feel like we played against like Daniel Gafford's Arkansas team, maybe on I the think road. So. Yeah, um, yeah, and that so might have been our last opportunity. Um, and Gafford was a hell of a player too. So, um, yeah, yeah good, good, nice stat there, Josh. I like that. 2009. So, what do you guys think? Like, does Tennessee have a real shot still to win a the SEC regular season championship? I think you still have a shot, um, but you've got to continue continue to win games and handle business. You know, we we opened the the, the show today talking about. Um, you know, can Tennessee get back into a one seed? Um, and yeah. it really it just goes to goes back to if teams are able to, to win night in and night out. And it's tough to do in college basketball these days with the amount of talent pool um, that just is, is spread across college basketball. But um, Tennessee's got to handle business, especially these next five games, Josh, here, I think are very important for Tennessee. Um, games against Missouri, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and you have two matchups at home against A&M and Auburn. Um, if you win those five games, I think you can um, have a little bit more confidence about a number one seed and also um, you're, you're, you're standing in the SEC. Um, so I, I think this upcoming five-game stretch is very important. If they, uh, if they win the next five, that's going to be really big because that's going to put them in the position where they can get that number one seed again and possibly win the SEC regular season. Yeah, definitely. You know, as you know, we, we've talked about it on here a couple of times, it's just continuing to control your path and, and, and win and, and control what you can control. And as long as they do that, I think Tennessee could uh, be hoisting up a, a SEC championship trophy. And uh, my last question for you guys out the door with the Chiefs winning back-to-back championships last year and this year, does next year seem like a real possibility of uh, the Chiefs three-peating? We uh, don't know what's going to happen with them in the offseason, this and that, but is there a real chance that the Chiefs three-peat? Y'all have a good night. You as well, Joshy. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, I was looking at it earlier today. Um, Chiefs have $24 million worth of cap space available. I think they'll put a lot of it back into their defense yep. mm-hmm. um, like they did this past offseason. Um, as bad as that offense was at times, I think if you retool and add a couple different guys, um, maybe through the draft or maybe just some um, free agents um, on some lower deals offensively, I think you can make it work. Uh, but I think the defense was very vital to this run, and Mahomes pretty much proved – winning this year that even with some spare parts, he can make he it can work. He can still do it. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they could have gotten any worse than what they had this year. Rasheed Rice still on a rookie contract. You'll still have Kelsey. Um, so I think if you're able to get another one, another guy um, to go to that's reliable, because I think Rasheed Rice will be uh, could be one of the better wide receivers um, in the league next year by the middle of the season. I think if he gets the consistency that he displayed – during the playoffs and towards the end of the season, I think he could be right up there Absolutely. with one of yeah. the more um, reliable targets. So um, I think they'll use that money towards their defense. They've got a couple key um, free agents, especially on the offensive line. Um, but I, I think you can't count this team out. I'm surprised. And we'll talk about it here in a second. But um, 49ers favored uh, to be the Super Bowl champions next year. Um, Kansas City finished in second. 
All right, let's talk about the NFL season that just wrapped up. Um, the NFL offseason has begun after uh, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers to claim Super Bowl 58. Uh, that means all the fan bases that have been tuning out as their teams were eliminated from playoff contention or the playoffs are now back in the game. It's, it's fair game for everyone. Um, hope is alive again, and uh, free agency in the draft now come into view. But before we dive into the draft and, and the offseason over the next couple weeks and months, Let's take a look back at the NFL season that we just watched. Um, we'll begin with what was the biggest surprise of the NFL season, Dawson? We begin I with think you? you could argue for the Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going to go a different route. It's the Houston Texans. Yep. Uh, they are way ahead of schedule. C.J. Stroud, I didn't know how long it was going to take him. I certainly did not think it was going to be this quick. I mean, just an instant star. Uh, his development took a huge step forward. He is for sure the guy long-term franchise cornerstone now in Houston. Um, and what a duo with him and D'Amico Ryans. And obviously Slowick is staying as well. That's huge. Uh, it was a thrown-together offensive unit. Uh, Tank Dell was excellent before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate injury there. Uh, his injury kind of paved the way for Nico Collins to step up. He ended up being a, a, almost an even better target towards the end of the season. They're going to make a great pair uh, if they can keep that unit together next year. Uh, add De- Devin Singletary to the mix. That was a fun young offense. Yeah. Uh, really fun to watch electric uh, as Stroud just ran around and just balled out. I mean, he just yeah. did whatever he wanted to, it felt like at times. So they're excited. They're exciting there. Their defense was thrown together too. Cashman and Harris, I think, had excellent seasons at linebacker for them. Uh, the defensive backs are a little bit shaky. They could probably improve there a little bit. And obviously, Will Anderson will continue to grow as well at the outside linebacker spot. But I mean, just a great story. Win a playoff game at home, dominate a playoff game at yeah. home. The defense mm-hmm. had a great effort in that one as well. Uh, great story going forward, and for sure they're way ahead of schedule already. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing kind of about the Packers this year. Uh, they kind of had, like, you know, with a new guy coming to the helm and Jordan Love, people thought they were going to take, a, like, a really big far step back uh, from what they have seen over the past few years. I think they did take a step back, but not as far as people would have thought. I mean, this is a playoff team that went into Dallas – uh, and got a win and was able uh, to pull it together with such a young, young core on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Jordan Love's surrounded by a bunch of first- and second-year receivers, uh, and he, he goes out and puts uh, just about 50 on a defense that uh, is touted full up and down the roster with like all pros, just guys that are getting uh, Pro Bowl votes just – out the wazoo, so uh, I, th- I think the combination of Love and Lafleur is there to stay. I think Jordan Love is their guy. I think that's one team to look out for uh, for the next several seasons here. Yeah, both great answers. Um, I-, I had the Houston Texans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they hire a defensive-minded guy in D'Amico Ryan's. You get a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud. We've talked on, on here about the recent coaching hires. How usually, if you're going to go with defensive mind, you've got to get the offensive mind right, and they nailed it with Bobby Slowick. Um, he did a really good job this year of putting Stroud in situations that helps him thrive on the things he's good at. Elite ball placement, um, he's really poised in the pocket, and he's a gamer. And he allowed through their um, through their offensive scheme for him to thrive. And you talk about them throwing together that offensive unit. Uh, Dalton Schultz, Noah Brown, uh, Tank Dell, a guy they drafted, he was so important to this team. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, Damian Pierce was their – their, their big back last year, you add Singletary into the mix. He did really well as well. Um, and defensively, they got it done. A younger unit um, kind of thrown together as well. But D'Amico Ryans, how great he is as a defensive mind, was able to make it work. What a combination that team was. And uh, by far, I think the biggest surprise, Packers are one as well. Um, but we'll talk more about them here in a minute. 
Um, I'll begin with the biggest letdown of the NFL season. Um, let's take it back to uh, the end of last season. Um, there were two teams that finished off at nine and eight, and both of them carried into uh, carried a lot of momentum heading into the next season. Uh, one team this year missed the playoffs. The other was in the NFC Championship. The one that missed the playoffs were the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars did not make any additions to a team that took a really big step in year one under Doug Peterson. Um, they did not add any offensive weapons um, outside of Calvin Ridley, um, and they did not add anyone defensively that was a, a big impact for them either. Um, and that their offensive line was bad. They didn't get any offensive line help. Um, they got complacent. And when you get complacent in any league, in any professional league, um, you're not going to take that next step or, or, or make any progress from where you were the previous season. They didn't take any steps. The Detroit Lions, however, they took steps. Mm-hmm. They drafted really well. Uh, Jamar Gibbs, Sam Laporta, those guys were home runs. Um, they get a free agent splash in C.J. Garner-Johnson. They made moves. Uh, the Jaguars stayed complacent, and that's why they were in Cancun uh, watching the playoffs this season. My biggest letdown, the Jaguars. I'm going to go a different route. And again, I'll preface this by saying I don't even know the, the injury to me doesn't even really matter that much. I want to say the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, mm. This was a team that they lose Joe Burrow to injury, but even in Week Ten when he went out, they were at five and five and just getting blown out by good teams. I mean, you, you open the year losing by three touchdowns to the Browns in Cleveland. Uh, you get blown out by Baltimore shortly after. It just was not a good start. Burrow did look did not look in sorts. Their offensive line was still not very good. Uh, and their weapons just weren't able to do very much because their quarterback was getting sacked every you know, three seconds. And the defense was just, I mean, letting in letting in points like floodgates opening to, to some of these teams. I don't even think, and they do go on a little bit of a heroic run with Jake Browning, but mm. you still should have made the playoffs. I mean, because if you look down at the bottom of the AFC, Houston, Cleveland, teams like that, you probably should have made the playoffs if you're Cincinnati regardless, especially winning three out of four with Jake Browning after Burrow goes out. They still find a way to miss it. A team that's two years removed from a Super Bowl appearance and a year removed from a game at Arrowhead, which they were very much in the AFC Championship game last year as well, you should have done more than you did, even without Joe Burrow. So for me, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. I've still got to go with a team that we've harped on quite a bit since I've joined y'all. It's got to be the Philadelphia Eagles for me. I mean, call I mean, yeah. ten and one to start off the year. There, there was a point where we were like, is there going to be a team to beat this team uh, at any point in the playoffs? And pretty much, you know, Super Bowl homers at some point it felt like because they're finding a way to win. Uh, they're just running on all cylinders, uh, and then you take that loss to San Fran and everything just starts going down the drain. Uh, offense sort sort of feels like it's button heads. I mean, we saw A.J. Brown uh, mad with Jalen Hurts, some animosity on the sidelines, not great. Uh, Desai gets dumped, and uh, what's his name? I can't even think of his name. Jeez. Uh, defensive coordinator, Matt something, wasn't it? Uh, well, Matt Patricia. Patricia, Patricia yeah, Patricia. Patricia that name was in. fleeting my yeah. mind. It was just he was – not great defensive play calling, and then on the offensive side, everybody just starts uh, losing themselves. It was just an all-time fallout, uh, and for Sirianni not to get dumped after that, uh, I'm not sure what they're thinking going into this next year, but uh, that still just 
is etched in my mind of just how crazy that turnaround was over that last six weeks. Yeah, I, I actually forgot about the Eagles. I was so focused exactly. on my Jaguars. I, know, yeah. I, I forgot my opportunity to tee off on the Eagles. One of my, <laughs> one of my, one of my more favorite things to do this year. Um, all right, let's talk about now a, a more positive note. Um, who is a team on the rise heading into the new year? Um, I'll begin here with the Green Bay Packers. Um, the, the Packers – I mean, what a story they were after Thanksgiving. They get that standalone win over Detroit where their defense was really the story in that one. Um, but Jordan Love has really come into his own after facing all this criticism, sitting on the bench for three years, finally getting an opportunity. The Packers basically just saying, all right, well, he's all we got. Might as well throw him out there. Um, he was an underdog from the jump. Didn't start off the season well, but they turned it around. They've got so many young pieces on this team, and I think that's why they can continue to climb into next year. Um, hats off to Matt LaFleur, a guy that um, really deserves a lot of credit for having this young group ready to go um, in, the, in the playoffs where they're able to crush the Cowboys on the road and also put up a huge fight against the 49ers in a game they very well could have won. Um, so a lot of credit to the Packers. I think they're a team on the rise heading into next I year. had Green Bay written down. Jordan Love's going to be a star. Yeah. Uh, he has for sure made himself the guy, cemented his, his place as the next great starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. A ton of great offensive pieces, Dobbs, Watson, A.J. Dillon, others that, that are going to just be great for them for a long time. They improve a little bit defensively, and they're going to go right back to where they were with, with Rodgers and then before him with Favre, and that's just a constant contender, somebody that's always going to be there. Um, to add a few more pieces and they'll be there. Since you took them, I'll move a different route. Just on the fly here. I'm going to say the L.A. Chargers mm. because of the hiring of Harbaugh. Okay. That is still a win-now roster. I think it was a win-now roster even despite going, what was it, 5-12 five and 12 five this and 12, year. Yeah. I think it was a lot of Brandon Staley. It just did not work. Very dysfunctional. Justin Herbert is generational. He's got weapons that are generational, and that defense is still very good. And the hiring of Harbaugh, for me, takes them up a couple levels, um, so I like them to rise as well. Uh, I've I've still got the Texans here. Uh, I, I really do Could've think that the too. sky is the limit uh, for this young core, which is sort of a ragtag group. If you, if you would have thought about it at the start of the year, you're like, man, I don't really th- see this team making any moves. And they go out, uh, win the AFC South, win a playoff game, game uh give the Ravens a little bit of hell but uh end up losing that one but I think as long as you've got D'Amico Ryans and Slowick uh calling the plays on either side I think they're going to be just fine and I think they can only improve once they get some more pieces on that defensive side I really do like that young core on the offense all right now who is a team that is on the decline heading into next year and um I'll, I'll begin with the Buffalo Bills um it might ruffle some feathers but I think their reluctance to um, look around the league and look what these successful teams are doing. Um, they should have fired McDermott two years ago. They still are holding on to him. They don't have a coach on that roster that knows how to use Josh Allen. And as a result, you have a quarterback who threw and turned the ball over 22 times this year. He's a wild card. Um, and wild cards have to be reined in. Uh, Anthony Richardson in college was a wild card. He was all over the place. Comes in to the Colts. I know he only played two games, but he was reined in by Shane Steichen. Did a really good job in the two appearances he had. Um, you could say the same for Lamar Jackson. A little bit of a wild card. Um, you know, has a, a God-given ability to be almost unguardable. Todd Munkin comes in and makes him unguardable. Um, the Bills, in my opinion, have yet to cross the finish line because they can't get over the hump because they've got problems in their internally in their locker room. Um, Stefan Diggs, every season it seems like there's another storyline about him being upset about something. Um, 
and they're also continuing to lose more and more pieces because they're running out of money. Um, I think they have to fi- have to fire uh, McDermott and get an offensive guy. I've been lobbying for it for two years. They refuse to do it. They don't have to listen to William Patterson, but I'm trying to help them out. I think they're a team <laughs> on the decline heading into next year once again. For me, it is the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they going to do with Tua? We still don't know yet in terms of an extension. They have a, a several defensive free agents. Christian Wilkins is a free agent. Bradley Chubb is a free mm-hmm. agent. Do they go get younger at corner? Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, they're not getting any younger. That defense already wasn't great. I mean, no. they were okay, mm-hmm. uh, but especially in some of these games against good teams, I mean, you know, 56, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, it's not going to cut it. And will their offense be able to go back-to-back years as the number one unit in the league? I don't think so. Uh, you're you're going to have a lot of the weapons back, but again, what do you do with Tua? When we're so, so yeah. in limbo with what they're going to do with Tua, I don't think they're going to be able to replicate it again. So, for me, it's probably going to be the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to say the Baltimore Ravens here. I I think that defensive hit, uh, just because they got a ton of free agents on the defensive side, and they're losing that D coordinator that I I think was sort of – now, granted, they've always got a good defense, but I think he sort of elevated them this year, uh, put them over the edge. And, you know, Lamar can only do so much for that offense. Uh, Offensive line was fine. I just don't think they get the same production on defense. Uh, And I think this was the year that they were supposed to win it. Uh, and they did not take advantage of that, so I, I'm, I'm going to go with the Ravens. Felt here. that way for Man, sure. I, I like that's a that's a strong hot take there. Yeah, I like I that. I mean, McDonald's very vital to that team had some a lot of success. It's a, it's a yeah. good point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It makes a good point. Um, yeah, wow. Um, is it too early to start looking ahead to next year's Super Bowl in New Orleans? Uh, never, never. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers are Super Bowl favorites at plus 500, despite losing to the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs are plus 700 to repeat. Uh, the Ravens, the red-hot Ravens that are now uh, on the decline, they're plus 850. They're third best. The Buffalo Bills, I don't must be a glitch here, uh, plus, 12, <laughs> uh, plus 1,200. They're the fourth best odds. Detroit Lions uh, right there with them at 1,200. Should the 49ers be favored heading into the next season? Uh, no. Why do we keep doing this with Kansas City? Um, mm. They win a championship, and they're, oh, they're third favorites to repeat as champions. Oh Why do we keep doing this? Yeah. Um, by far the most dominant team in the playoffs. I don't think it's really anywhere close. Uh, they, they end the season on a ton of momentum. They looked like the Chiefs team that we all feared they could be uh, for many of our fan bases uh, that yeah. aren't Kansas City fans. Uh, in that Super Bowl game especially, that offense, I mean, it just came to life late in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, they've got weapons that are all going to be around next year. I don't see any reason why they can't go back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. I mean, they're going to have most everybody back. The mm-hmm. defense is outstanding. they got to re-sign some guys, keep the weapons going on offense, but with Rice and Kelsey and those guys in Mahomes doing Mahomes things, I, I – I don't, I don't get why we keep doing this with yeah, Kansas City. Yeah, I don't know why you keep putting a chip on Mahomes' shoulder as if he's going to not swipe it right off uh, and just take what people don't want him to get. And th- that's the thing that's kind of blasphemous to me is, you know, you take this guy that's now won three Super Bowls and then say, oh, oh, the team you just lost – or you, the team you just beat is going to beat you this year uh, or this upcoming year. It's absolutely crazy because he just went out and did it with probably his worst crew on offense that he's had. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of ridiculous. Like you said, that Kansas City defense was incredible. Spagnolo's probably going to stay there because, I mean, all the head coaching spots are taken up. He's got nowhere else to go. So, uh, albeit he's just going to stay there and stay put with uh, Andy Reid and all those boys, and they're going to take it back here. But uh, I, I think personnel-wise you could probably make – uh, an argument for the 49ers there, but I, I just think when you have an X factor that's such a game changer like Mahomes, I think you really have to take that into account. 
Yeah, the odds maker in, in Vegas must be, you know, his wife must have had an affair with Andy Reid or something. I don't yeah. understand um, why they continue to be uh, the underdogs in this one. Um, I, I think Kansas City should be favored. Obviously, they just won um, two days ago against the 49ers team. Both of these teams returning a lot of the same production. Um, I would have the Kansas City Chiefs favored. Um, any more storylines from the year before we close the book on the on the season? Anything else y'all want to talk about? I don't think about? so. Right now. Yeah. Okay. Not that we're not going to talk about in the offseason. Right. Yeah, okay, good deal. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about three Vols that were invited to the NFL Combine and the Lady Vols' big win over the Hogs. Stay right here on Overtime. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. eBay Motors here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it all at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I was afraid to cut the cord, but once I did, I couldn't believe it took so long to do it. Paying too much for my cable bill had become a bad habit. I either wasn't getting what I wanted or never knew where to find any of my favorite shows until it was too late. Plus, the prices just kept going up. Thankfully, I discovered a new way to watch called Philo. For just $25 a month, I can catch all my favorite shows on networks like BET, MTV, and TLC. It even has Nickelodeon for my kids. I can watch anytime I want, anywhere I want. Plus, Philo lets me have up to three streams at once, so everyone can watch what they want at the same time. Throw in the unlimited DVR that saves all my favorites for up to a year, and this really is the best deal in TV. I just wish I hadn't waited so long. Sound too good to be true? Well, try it out for yourself, and you'll see why people who love TV love Philo. Go to philo.tv, that's P-H-I-L-O.tv, and start your seven-day free trial now. Back here on Overtime on a Tuesday night. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let's talk about the three Vols that were invited to the NFL Combine today. The National Football League announced Tuesday that Tennessee football standouts Joe Milne III, Jalen Wright, and Kamal Haddon each received invitations to the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine, which will take place in Indianapolis from 
February 26th through March 4th. A total of 321 prospects have been invited to attend the 2024 NFL Combine, including 75 from the Southeastern Conference. Um, guys, we'll begin with this. What does Joe Milton have to display at the Combine to help his draft stock? A few things. Uh, number one, just showcase the athleticism. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what this is going to be. Just show how raw, ta- how much raw talent you have. We know how much he has. Everybody wants to gawk at the big arm. Show off the big arm. That's what scouts are going to be looking for. They're, they're going to be, oh, look at the arm on Joe Milton. Yeah. The same way, I'm not saying they're going to end in the same fate, but the same way they did with Zach Wilson. Uh, wow, look at the arm on Zach Wilson. Do that. Show your athleticism. Show off. Show out. It's a chance in a non-game situation to, to show how much raw athletic ability you have because you can't teach that. Mm-hmm. That's just something you have. Show some football IQ. Do some do some good things in drills. Show that you can read a defense. You know, Just try to improve on some things that we saw him struggle with at Tennessee. Uh, the final thing for me is show leadership capabilities. It's a big chance in media availability and quarterback tests to, to go show off a little bit what you can do as a leader of men in a locker room. Uh, and, and make your character known. Uh, it's a little bit lesser thing about the, about the combine, I think. But you know, go do that too. Um, go go show them that you can lead a locker room, lead a team, uh, and I think he'll do well. Yeah, I, I think number one, like you just said, uh, just show kind of who you are. Like show your personality. Show like what uh, what kind of person you are off the field because that that is sort of important. They do take that into account uh, when it comes to draft day. I think you really got to harp in uh, on your strengths here. I, I think, like you said, show that arm talent. Show your movement. Move around a lot. Uh, show your strengths there. I, I think if you can boast those up a bunch, they might not take into account all your, uh, you know, some some of the flaws decision making wise. I think if you put yourself at a high standard, in some cases they they might take you just because of that. Yeah, um, I, I think that you know Milton is kind of like um, a little bit like Anthony Richardson last year, um, a guy that um, has a a big arm. Um, big frame, very athletic, and he killed the combine. I think Milton will as well. Um, just showing off his intangibles, his arm strength, um, and also his mobility at that size, I think is is something he can do really well at. Um, and this is not intended to be a stray, but I think Milton really thrives in a lot of the unpadded, um, un, unpadded, uh, mm-hmm. um, what's the drills? I'll say, yeah, drills. Yeah. Because um, he did not do well in, in, in the Pro Bowl, or not the Pro Bowl, Reese's Senior Bowl game, but he did really well during the week. Um, a lot of the drills they did, the throwing competition, the throw speed competition, yeah. he killed all those. And I think he'll do that in the combine as well. Um, out of these three guys, who has the most most to prove in Indy? It's got to be Kamal Haddon, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> after his season was shortened by injury, uh, we saw him develop, start to develop anyway, midpoint of the season into a really solid defensive back. A uh, guy that a lot of us have had our issues with over the past couple of years, but developed into, the, at the time, the highest graded pass coverage mm-hmm. DB in the nation. Mm-hmm. Not just the comp, the nation. Uh, obviously, you see him get his season cut short. I think that's why he has the most to prove. Shortened years kill your draft stock. Mm-hmm. That was going to happen to Brew McCoy if he went as well. He obviously comes back to Tennessee, had an unable to come back, no eligibility. So he has to go show out at the Combine, uh, show what you can do. Very good raw talent, electric guy, um, can really be a, a nice glue guy, I think, for a mm-hmm. DB unit someday in the NFL if he gets to that point. 
but just you know show them what you would have done in the second half of that season if you hadn't gotten injured. Yeah, def- that's who I'm rolling with here as well. Again, based on the injury, uh, and because I mean we saw sort of what his ceiling could have been this year, uh, and he just didn't get to finish it out, like you said. So I, th- I think that's a big thing. Uh, I think he might have some maturity things to straighten out too. Because yeah. I mean I still remember that Florida game at the very end when mm-hmm. he's squaring up with the O lineman. Yeah. Uh, now I got a great chuckle out of that while also uh, screaming really mad at the TV about that. But uh, so I, I think that aspect, I think he can prove himself there. Uh, I, I think if he's as consistent as he was uh, during that like four or five game stretch before uh, that injury, I, I think he can really make some noise in the draft. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's had it as well, especially a guy coming off an injury. A lot of these teams are trying to see how you've recovered, what you look like now, and are you still able to play at the same level you were uh, during the season where he was one of the highest graded um, guys at his position. Um, so I think he has the most to prove and that he is still healthy. Um, I think Jalen Wright has a lot to prove as well. The yeah. running back position is very competitive. A lot of great running backs every year in college football. Um, how does he differentiate himself from the rest? I think it is something to watch as well. Um, now let's move over to the Lady Vols, who got a big win over the Hogs last night. A 53% shooting percentage um, from behind the arc and a 21-point effort by Rakia Jackson lifted the Lady Vols to their seventh straight home triumph in a dominant 81-55 victory over Arkansas in Food City Center on Thursday night. Or Tuesday night, I should say. Um, or no, <laughs> Thursday night. I'm Monday, sorry, night. Monday, Monday night. Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting all my days mixed up here. Monday night. I've got Thursday so night written days. down on my card. Uh, <laughs> Monday night. I'm so sorry. All right. The 55 points represented – that was right. Uh, the 55 points represented the fewest scores uh, this season by Arkansas, which entered averaging 73.1 per contest. It also tied as the fewest allowed by Tennessee in the 2023-24 season, uh, matching the total Liberty scored in a 90-55 to loss uh, that UT beat Liberty in on, on December 31st. Um, junior Jillian Hollingsheed uh, recorded her second double-double of the season with 14 points and 10 rebounds. And senior Jewel Spears was close behind for Tennessee um, with 13 points, 8 rebounds, and a career-high 7 assists on the night. A um, couple mess-ups there, got through that at least. Um, takeaways from the Lady Vols' big win. A few things. The first one is a, a very simple question. Where in the world has this team been? Yeah. Uh, this is not the team that started the year losing to MTSU in a close game with Eastern Kentucky. This wasn't even the team that oh, five days ago went on the road and got blown out by Alabama. This was a completely different team. I don't know if they just that, that lost to Bama ticked them off or what, but – I mean, this was pure dominance. Uh, and getting to be there, the the speed was evident. Like they were they were moving faster. Everything was flowing well. Everything was working on both ends of the floor. Uh, by far their best effort of the year. And I don't think mm-hmm. it's relatively close. And yeah, Arkansas's not you know a top twenty five team. They're they're not a top team in the SEC. But when you're in a tight race in the SEC, you need to beat these teams. Yeah. Same as the same as the men's team. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this was your straight in the men's team. This was your South Carolina game on home court. Yeah. You need to win this game. They do that. Uh, you stay out of turnover trouble. You stay out of foul trouble. Everything works. Really, really great win, especially with the couple of weeks they have coming up. Uh, it is a gauntlet mm. schedule yeah. coming up. Three games against South Carolina or LSU, uh, one against A&M, uh, and I can't remember for the life of me what the fifth game is. Uh, Alabama, I think, as well. Mm. 
But it's it's tough. So to see them get a dominant effort, that's good. Uh, Rakia Jackson, I mean, she's outstanding. Right. Uh, she leads the team again. She's going to lead the team in the postseason if they can make it to that point. I know this morning uh, the bracketology had them playing Creighton in round one in the Virginia Tech little regional bubble thing they do in women's basketball mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Blacksburg. That is the team that eliminated the Lady Vols in Seattle last year. Um, but they're in right now. They just need to keep up the momentum, but Rakia Jackson's going to carry them there. She had countless 20-point games. Yeah. She reached 3,000 yeah. points. I think it was either two or 3,000. I can't remember. Yeah, it was two. I was, was, it 2, I was, I was there for that 2, one. 2,000 yep. career points against Missouri. Against yep. Missouri. Um, so they honor her before the game. She goes out and scores 21. She's going to be a lottery pick of the WNBA draft, uh, but we'll see what she can lead the Lady Vols. And the role players, uh, Jewel Spears been good the last couple weeks, but, man, for, for Jillian Hollingshed, this was outstanding, her best right. effort of the year, mm-hmm. her best effort since the LSU game last year. Uh, hitting mid-range shots, which the Lady Vols have struggled with a lot, especially with their their bigs down low, just not able to shoot the mid-range. Um, they're able to do that, and, and the role players are finally working. Uh, and if they work like that, this team this team looks like the preseason number four team in yep. the country, mm-hmm. not uh, an unranked team losing to MTSU. Sure. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think the biggest takeaway for me is finally getting Holly Sh- Hollingshed back to where uh, we sort of saw her late last year uh, taking that role uh, from – uh, of course, Tamari Key being out last year. I th- this is her first double-digit performance since November, Yeah, I believe. So mm-hmm. so big-time performance from her because she has been just absent for these last month, two, three months. And, uh, of course, Tamari Key starting to get back into the groove of things, uh, putting together some decent minutes, hasn't been as dominant as we have seen her before, uh, but taking some steps in the right direction. Of course, uh, still happy about Jewel Spear, still putting up – uh, pretty good numbers. Uh, shot at lights out from three, three of yeah. four. So, Sharpshooter. Yeah, last night. yeah. She she's been really exciting to watch. And R- Rakia Jackson's just your rock here. Uh, so I, I think if those three or four uh, can get going in sort of a rhythm, sort of mesh a little bit better together, this this team can make a little bit of noise late in the season. Now I don't think they overcome uh, the humps that are South Carolina and LSU. Uh, I think they can give them a little run for their money if they wanted to, uh, if if they all come together and play well. But uh, uh, still a big question there. Just happy to see Hollingshed sort of back on the right foot. Yeah, a couple of points for me. First off, you come out and set the tone early, 27-13 oh, yeah, yeah. lead. What a first quarter. Um, yeah. In the first quarter. Uh, you know, we talk about a lot setting the tone at home. That's exactly what they were able to do last night. Uh, another point of emphasis, rebounding margin, 57-29 to 29 oh, advantage yeah, yeah. for the Lady Vols. Um, dominant on the glass, really uh, almost uh, kind of saw what the A&M did this weekend. <laughs> well. The Lady Vols saw and said, well, hell, you know, if the men can't do it, we might as well try. And that's exactly what they did. Um, 57 to 29 advantage there. That was really big. And you talk about shooting the lights out. 53% from three-point line. I think one of their best three-point performances yeah. of the year. Yeah. Um, always going to you know give you a, a boost in any game, and this one helped you uh, run away with it. So um, really impressive win, especially you need one before a quick oh turnaround on Thursday yeah. as we now allude into Tennessee facing against number one South Carolina as they roll into Knoxville Thursday night. Lady Vols and Gamecocks are slated to meet in a 7 p.m. matchup on ESPN. Prime time, everyone watching. Worried for the quick turnaround, however. You're always worried about these kinds of weeks. Uh, you're especially worried when you go from, yeah, it was a great win, but still you know, a 40-minute basketball game, rolling into a matchup at home three days later with the num- number one team in the country, the most dominant women's basketball team in college basketball for at least the last you know, five, five mm-hmm. eight years. Yes. Uh, and even I think they're even better this year than they have been in the last three. I mean, this is by far South Carolina's best unit. They're coming off a 20-point win against UConn, which saw them, without their best player, Camila Cardoso, who's been out with an injury, 
they still go up against UConn and beat them 83-65. That's daunting. Uh, now, I think you are going to have a good crowd for this game. I would expect a good crowd, mm-hmm. a good student crowd as well. Usually these big games get that. So maybe you feed off the energy a little bit, but you hate that this game falls on a short week. Uh, yeah. You just got to try to use the momentum you got last night, carry it into Thursday. Hopefully the crowd's buzzing. Ho- hopefully you're buzzing. You get a good start. If you can get a good start, I think you can hang around at least. But you're always worried about quick turnarounds, especially when it's the uh, number one team in the country coming to town. Exactly. That That's the point. I mean, like you said, Dawson, they're coming off of what's probably their best performance of the year, and then you got to go right up against this just buzzsaw that is South Carolina this year. I mean, 23-0, and like <laughs> – it seems like they've been at that mark just about every year through the past five years, especially last year. I th- they didn't lose till what, the Final Four last year? I believe it was the Final Four. Yeah, yeah. and, I mean, it's just mind-blowing how good that team is. It's it's just rough to see that, of course, on the short week that you got to go up against this team. That That's about my biggest takeaway from that. So they played UConn on Sunday. Tennessee obviously played on Monday. Glad mm-hmm. we got that that covered from earlier. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sorry. Long There's day. seven of them, dude. There's yeah, a lot of days. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, but look, they've got to travel in. So you're basically, I, I think, a little bit on the same timeline here. They've got to travel. Uh, mm-hmm. A travel day is. Uh, I mean, that's that's hard for anyone. Um, but I was taking a look at their last four games. Uh, South Carolina's average margin of win uh, is 26.75 points. Um, And that's against Auburn, Ole Miss, Missouri. Obviously, UConn, the superior of those four. Um, But this is a team that, under Don Staley, is is, as good as anyone over the last five years. You've got to bring your best, and you've got to bring a performance like this against Arkansas um, in in a game like this because South Carolina's got the intangibles and tools um, to put this thing away quickly like they did on Sunday and like they've done all season in mm-hmm. conference play. Um, I think uh, the the quick turnaround I'm not so much worried about, just being able to replicate a really hot shooting night once again. Well, it, and you, you go to that start. That's why I said you got to get a good start. If, if South Carolina, they've proven this year, in the games that they get up double digits in the first quarter, uh-huh. that, the other team never comes back. Yeah, they never have yeah. a chance. If that team keeps it close, LSU kept it close after one quarter, those games go down to the wire. They get a little bit antsy, uh, and then you, you get in position to, to maybe pull a shocker. So if the Lady Vols can at least get out of the first quarter, uh, I think they could hang around. Yep. Um, but if they don't, it's going to be ugly, I think. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about Victor Wimbenyama's memorable night last night in the NBA. Stay right here on Overtime. Are you ready to flash that dazzling smile? Well, look no further than Knoxville Smiles. Our experienced team is here to give you the care and attention you deserve. From routine checkups and cleanings to advanced cosmetic treatments, we've got you covered. Say goodbye to dental worries and hello to a confident, radiant smile. Don't wait any longer. Schedule your appointment today and unlock the power of your smile. Call 865-539-1776 to schedule your appointment today. Or just visit KnoxvilleSmiles.com. When it's past high noon, it's time for a vodka soda made with a vodka you've actually heard of. I'm talking White Claw vodka soda made with White Claw premium vodka. J.B. Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. And you can too. Pick you up a bottle of the triple wave filtered vodka that's been distilled five times. White Claw Premium Vodka comes in four flavors. Black cherry, mango, pineapple, and just vodka. You haven't had vodka like this. No one has. White Claw Premium Vodka. Please drink responsibly. The superbly versatile all-electric EQB from Mercedes-Benz. A compact SUV that's full of big surprises. An optional fold-out third row offers luxurious comfort for up to seven occupants. 
and almost 24 cubic feet of cargo space means this compact SUV is big enough to handle anything you can throw at it or in it. You can set the tone any way you like with 64 color customizable ambient lighting throughout. And just like every other Mercedes-Benz EV, the EQB features the very latest generation MBUX voice activated tech. So whether you want to set a new destination, change the tunes, or tune up the heat, all you have to say is, hey Mercedes, this vehicle's all electric, the feeling's all Mercedes. Test drive the EQB today at your local dealer or learn more at MBUSA.com EQB. That's MBUSA.com EQB. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at NorthKnoxSidingAndWindows.com. Back here on Overtime, rounding out a nice Tuesday evening here on uh, on the airwaves. Uh, let's talk about Victor Wembanyama's memorable night last night, however. Uh, and one of the most memorable nights of his increasingly special rookie season, Victor Wembanyama uh, delivered one of his most impressive two-way performances of the season for the Spurs. Wembanyama had 27 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 blocks as his team beat the Toronto Raptors 122-99 on Monday night. Wembanyama just played 29 minutes in this game. Uh, Wembenyama becomes the first rookie since 1990 to record a triple-double with blocks. How impressive was this performance? Uh, it's incredibly impressive. This guy's budding into a superstar. We knew that going in. Uh, and Obviously, you had to wait and make sure it pans out, but we all, we all knew relatively quickly this guy was going to be a future icon, a future face of the Spurs franchise, if not the league. Right. Uh, and last night's a, a huge step towards that. His athleticism is absurd for someone his size. Uh, he should not be able to move the way that a guy that big does. Yeah. Uh, and yet he, he finds a way um, offensively, probably one of his most efficient uh, mm -hmm. performances of his young career so far. Um, but on the defensive end, I mean, when you read 10 blocks, that doesn't feel real. It still doesn't. Right. Um, but that's the kind of that's the kind of production he brings to the table. Yeah, it, it pops off the page whenever you read double-digit blocks of all things. You're like, right. man, you like rarely see that. I mean, you'd see that from like, uh, you know, a Hakeem, uh, Maybe that's it, you know. Besides that, maybe a wilt thrown in there every once in a while. But you know, ten blocks is crazy. He, I mean, he also had five assists. I mean, that that kind of shows sort of his range that he has on this offense. So, uh, like you said, it's really nice to see uh, a young talent like him start to fill and find himself uh, in this league that's uh, growing ever more competitive by the day. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not a huge fan of the triple-double stats and all that right. stuff. I think it's a lot of just uh, filler content for you know ESPN and Bleacher Report to put out on their social media waves. However, the performance is really impressive, that he's able to get it done on both ends. Um, look, we know what Victor Wembanyama was going to be when he entered this league. I think he's exceeded expectations so far. Um, you know, when he first uh, started playing his first couple of games, I said, you know, when when you see guys that come into the league at that size, you can tell from an early point on if they're going to make it or not. Hashim Thabit, when he came in the league, you could tell that guy's not going to cut it. Mm. Uh, Kwame Brown, that guy was never going to cut it. But, you know, your, your Christoph Porzingis's, your Victor Webinyamas, those guys have shown um, from the jump that they can be a night-in-and-night-out factor, and Webinyama's been just that. Um, Webinyama now averaging 20.4 points per game, 10.1 rebounds, 3.2 blocks, and just 48 games this season. In comparison, LeBron James, 20.9 points, 5.5 rebounds, 5.9 assists uh, for the Cavs um, in his rookie year. Uh, Kevin Durant, 20 points, 4.5 rebounds, 2.4 assists uh, for the Supersonics in his rookie year. Um, so he's in good company here. Um, what is something he needs to improve on despite his impressive season so far? Uh, <laughs> there's not much. Uh, I mean, definitely. Mm. The word I had written down was longevity, and it's more in terms of he just needs to play some more minutes. Yep. Uh, if you're going to be a, a franchise cornerstone, you need to play more than 29 minutes in a game. And I don't know. It's probably not his choice, but you know, start to get to where you're playing 35 minutes a night uh, like some of these stars do. Um, and I understand the position is a lot more demanding where he's going to play down low, but – I mean, you're going to be a ball handler a lot of times. Play yeah. some more minutes. You know, maybe lobby to get some more minutes. You're going to be the star of the show. So that's the only thing really I can see. I mean, his production is so good. Why not play him for more minutes? Yeah, longevity was actually the word that I also had written down. It's just, I mean, if you're if you're putting together these types of performances in 29 minutes, imagine that at more of like a 40, 42 right. clip. I mean, you're getting up there towards 40 points. Like, what, what was he at, 14 rebounds? Maybe get that up to 18 and blocks. You never know what can happen in those extra <laughs> yeah. 12 minutes. So uh, that could have blown that out of the water. But, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I get that he's young. He's still trying to uh, get acclimated, I guess, to a different sort of pace than what he's used to uh, from his overseas professional days. But uh, I think if he can get that up towards, like, the 36, 37, 38, uh, I, I think he'll be even more of an impact than he already is. Um, for me, I think there are two things. His mid-range game has been quite poor this year. Um, not a good mid-range shooter. I think that's something he needs to get better at. Um, and sometimes he also wanders around the three-point line too often. Um, at that size, uh, you should not be hovering around the three-point line more times than not. I think he needs to be a little bit more aggressive, get in the paint, and work on his mid-range shooting. Um, obviously, a guy like that is still young, still developing his game. Um, shouldn't expect everything from him. Um, but I'd like to see a better mid-range game. And also, he needs to get off the three-point line every possession, mm -hmm. wandering around. Um, he's he's tall as hell. Get in the paint and, and make some plays in there. You don't need to be out on the three-point line. It's in uh, you know my career in uh, in 2K where you just you know put some orange on. Well, yeah, well you can put some orange on, <laughs> but I, what is it? I don't know what that has to do with my career. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just I just heard you started getting a little ranty. I was just like, oh, Get, yeah, I, a little ranty. Throw some TR back in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> TR call back in. That was a a great call fun. we had. Um, all right. Well, um, Tennessee and Arkansas tomorrow. We'll get you ready for that one. We'll also talk about um, whatever is popping at the time tomorrow in sports. For Overtime, William Patterson, Dawson Wise, Jace Brown, thank you so much for joining us. Signing out.
Are you tired?